And, you know, it's, it's really good for us to declare, regardless sometimes of all the things that we battle with, that God is good. Yeah. That he is good. But let's get real. Like, that's hard, particularly at the moment with some of the things that are going on in the world around us. Like how, you know, I know many people are saying, well, if God does exist, how can he be good when there's so much bad things happening? There's a there's a book in the Bible called First Chronicles. And in chapter 32, uh, we're told about 200 leaders from a tribe of Issachar who understood the times and then they knew what God was requiring them to do. And, you know, that's always true in a sense that any of us who are seeking to follow after God and become like Jesus in the world, that we have a responsibility to understand the times and know what God is saying so that we then know what to do. That's our responsibility. And uh, if ever that was true, it's, it's in this moment right now because the times are crazy. The times are mad, things are changing literally from one week to another. We've got another shift happening and what's possible uh, just tomorrow, things start to open up and they're closing down again. And then there are parts of the country that they're much more closed and, and similarly all around the world. Like what is going on and what's God saying in the midst of all of this? You know, one of the things that I love about God is how God is able to be at work in difficult crisis, suffering, struggle moments. That God is not the author of suffering. Like it, it's, it's not God's will that people are hurting and get ill and all that kind of stuff. Let me make that really, really clear. But God is able to work in the midst of it. In fact, he's able to take terrible situations and then flip them into something really good. Yeah. Of course, the biggest example of that is the cross itself, that where we believe, you know, the enemy, both the human enemies and the spiritual enemies of God did their worst to crucify Jesus, the son of God on the cross. And, and they all probably kind of put their hands together and thought, this is great news. We've done it. We've killed Jesus. But in the midst of the worst thing that humanity has ever done, God flips it. And three days later, Jesus rises from the dead. And because he's defeated death, he is able to restore us into relationship with God. And that power that was at work in rising Jesus from the dead is available to us to bring transformation into the world and in this life. It's like the enemy does his worst and God is able to flip it yeah. into something good. good. And so when we look back on these last six months this last year 2020 this this year is not how any of us imagined it would be and i, and I don't about you like I, I still i have these moments where i still feel like we're living in a hollywood movie mm -hmm. it's just mad like there are moments i'm used to wearing a mask or 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 queuing we were queuing again weren't we like outside sainsbury's and then the other moments i'm in the queue with a mask i'm thinking like this is just bizarre utterly bizarre uh, so it's, this is a strange time. And, and of course, we have been hit by two major global things that have caught the attention literally of the whole world. Uh, and the first is COVID and the impact of COVID that we're still contending with today. And the second is the challenge around racism and Black Lives Matter that just went to another level off the back of the death of George Floyd. And, and I want to pause for a second uh, particularly in our Everyone Everywhere series and just think, okay, what, what's going on there 
God doesn't want any of those things to happen. But what is God doing in the midst of them? How should we responding understand the times and then what God is asking us to do? So let's think about COVID just for a second. You know, um, here, here we are. It's six months from the last time we properly met as as a family in the primary school in Hitchin. Like the drive-in was great last week. Like we loved it. It was it was great. We're going to put some video out about it. it. Was it was fantastic? But but in terms of really gathering and being able to say hi, and I think even that week we were elbow yeah, nudging elbow and stuff in. like you know because COVID was just really starting to run its course. But then everything changed. And what happened when COVID hit is the church was scattered. Like we weren't able to come together in the way that we should. And it reminded me uh, and has over these months of the story in Acts chapter six, because in Acts chapter six, we hear the story of a guy called Stephen, who's a follower of Jesus. And in the life of the early church in the first century, he becomes the first person who is killed, executed, he's stoned to death simply because he's a follower of Jesus. He becomes the first martyr. And that happens in Jerusalem. And when that happens in Jerusalem, the, the panic of this crisis and the persecution that starts, it literally scatters the church. Because up until that moment, the, the church, the new church that's formed off the back of the death and resurrection of Jesus is all grouping in Jerusalem. They, they've got a, a little comfortable holy huddle going on in Jerusalem. But that was never the way it was supposed to be. If you look at Acts chapter one and verse eight, just before Jesus returns to heaven, Jesus says to his disciples, he says, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But up until Acts chapter six, no one's going to Judea, no one's going to Samaria and no one's going to the ends of the earth. It took a crisis to scatter the church. And if you look at what happens next in, in Acts seven and eight and nine, literally the good news of Jesus through the disciples who are then scattered goes to the very ends of the earth, to everyone, everywhere. And here we are today, in a sense, we have been scattered like yes to our homes but like we can't gather in the way that we should we've we're in our various spaces and places and and actually that is what it was always supposed to be like i i love coming together and gathering I, i'm hoping there will be a time in the next year when we can we can do that there's, there's that's it's wonderful to gather and worship together and that dynamic and the atmosphere that is great but actually, the purpose of gathering is to in, equip us and envision us for our scattering. Yeah. Like Jesus uses these different metaphors about what we're supposed to be as the people of God. He describes us. We're supposed to be like yeast in a dough and a tiny bit of yeast like floods through the whole of the dough and it causes an incredible impact. But you don't get a bit of yeast and just put it in a bit of the dough. You, you put it through the whole dough. It's scattered. And when it's scattered, it brings tremendous influence. We're supposed to be yeast bringing yeah. tremendous influence. A little bit of you and a lot of God, wherever you are, can bring incredible positive kingdom influence in the world. Elsewhere, Jesus says that we're called to be the salt of the earth like you don't get a big part of salt and just stick it on the side of your plate you scatter it over your plate over your food because it adds flavor and we're supposed to be scattered adding the flavor of love and joy and justice and generosity wherever we are yeah. jesus calls us to be the very light of the world 
Like if you just stick a light in one corner of the room, it's going to light up that corner of the room. But if you have a light dotted everywhere, it brings light, which is a metaphor for hope and life and joy wherever it is. All of these metaphors that Jesus uses to describe the church, which is simply the family of God on the mission of God, are scattered images. We're called to be the scattered people, not a holy huddle. We gather for the purpose of scattering. Our moments with God are supposed to spark movements of God, yeah. which is why our whole theme this year is everyone, everywhere, everyone, everywhere. And so I think what God is doing in the midst of COVID is he is reminding us, refreshing us, getting us back to our calling to say, yes, gathering is great. Let's gather. Let's fire each other up. Let's learn together as we do in these moments. But it's really about the rest of the week. It's really about how God has scattered us in the in the workplaces and the neighborhoods and 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 all of those areas. And so the question is, but what do we do in those scattered moments? Which brings me to the George Floyd challenge. And, and the racism and prejudice that, that, again, has rightfully kind of captured a global audience. Like that picture of, of George Floyd, I, I think, is a prophetic picture that God is speaking to us about. Think, think about it, what happened in that abhorrent, horrific thing that happened. And it is abhorrent. Yeah. We, we get this picture of a kneeling on the neck so that eventually someone dies whilst they're crying out those words, I can't breathe. Now we all know first and foremost that that picture is a picture of centuries and centuries of racial abuse and prejudice against our, our black brothers and sisters and, and other minority groups who, who have been contending with this for years, centuries, and it is evil. It is an absolute evil. The oppression that they have felt and continue to feel. And, you know, we just had we've got a, a dear friend, uh, part of our Zio family, who just the other day was racially abused in the car park. And, and, and I'm, I'm gutted and saddened when I see the stuff that's on social media about how people speak. You just think like, you know, so it's like social media amplifies the toxicity, toxicity of mm. some of this, this mm. stuff. And I think that image is, is so right because there's the kneeling on the neck, there's the oppression, there's the, the lid, the exclusion, and that sound, I can't breathe. People um, who feel like they can't breathe, that they don't have the same opportunity, the same hopes, they cannot breathe. And that's why we must, as a, as a people of God, commit to righteousness and justice yeah. and, and fight racism and prejudice wherever we find it. We are good news people that we recognize that right in the very beginning of scripture in Genesis 1, all humanity are created in the very image of God. Mm -hmm. And that means that everybody is worthy of love and respect and honor and dignity and that that we mind and see the gold in everybody everyone is beautiful everyone is precious everyone is cherished by god and so should be cherished by us and so as we said when that thing first happened that event first happened all the months ago that that we're not just like uh, non-racist we want to be anti-racist that the, the agenda of the kingdom is anything that smells like racism or prejudice has to be taken down because our God is a righteous God who who loves justice and commands us to be involved in justice but not only that I think that that power that 
the power of that prophetic picture is, is yes, it's first of all about the racism and prejudice issue, but it's also a picture of oppression and injustice everywhere, where there are people groups all over the world, in our town, in our community, in your communities, who literally feel they can't breathe, who feels like the systems and structures of this world are kneeling on their neck, that there are lids, that they're oppressed, that they're excluded, that they cannot get a break, that they can't get a decent meal, that their cupboards are bare, that they don't know how to get out of debt, that their relationships are broken, that they're bound in mental health issues. So much oppression, so much injustice going on in the world. And God is calling, I believe, his scattered people to wake up, to wake up and be part of what Jesus wants to do to see that stuff change. A few years ago, World Vision uh, produced this Bible. It's called the Poverty and Justice Bible. And what they did is they went through the whole Bible and they underlined all of the parts of the Bible that were to do with justice and and defeating oppression and and dealing with the issues where people are marginalized and excluded and of course the biggest exclusion of all which is people being excluded from the opportunity to hear about Jesus and, and the injustice of of not knowing Jesus both now and for all eternity we long for that yeah. injustice to be put right too in every single way spiritual injustice relational injustice uh, injustice on poverty financial on every single level injustice wherever we fight it and and they put together this bible underlying everything and of course if you want to remove those passages from scripture that deal with injustice well you're going to take out loads of the bible yeah. because the god that we serve is a god about life mm -hmm. and removing lids and removing uh injustices and removing prejudice and all of the isms that destroy the humanity of people we are called to be part of that solution we are a scattered people joining in with what god is doing to bring righteousness and justice into a world including the justice of people knowing the god that alone can bring them life and hope and has the power to truly transform lives and situations and of course, then you take these two scenarios, COVID and the George Floyd, and they have a, a common denominator. And what is that? It's about breath. Hmm. It's about breath. Because people who die of COVID die of issues with their respiratory system. And of course, what happened with George Floyd was around breath, hmm. not having life. And so here is our challenge because we, friends who've said yes to Jesus, we follow the author of life and breath. Yeah. The one who is, he's called the very breath of God. Mm. The very breath of God. Jesus, right in Genesis 2 verse 7, we're reminded that God breathes life in, into us. In Job 33 verse 4, Job writes, the spirit of God has made me. The breath of the almighty gives me life. In Acts chapter 17, verse 24 to 28, the apostle Paul, one of the most prolific writers of the New Testament, he said this to a, to a group of people who, who weren't following Jesus. He said this, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. He is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everything everyone life and breath and everything else 
From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from any one of us. For in him, we live and move and breathe and have our being. Like that's why we want people to know Jesus, because he is breath. Yeah. He is life. He's everything that we are needing to live now and for all eternity. Mm-hmm. The people of Issachar, they understood the times, what was going on and what God was saying. Yeah. Uh, we understand these are perilous, dangerous, scary times. But Jesus comes to us as the author of life, our very breath. Mm-hmm. And he invites us to be involved in what he's doing, to be good news to us and then good news through us. Like God didn't cause any of these things to happen. That's the fallenness of our world and the fallenness of our humanity. But Jesus is calling everyone everywhere to be about his business, scattered together in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our streets, that we were people who wake up every morning and say, okay, God, whatever you're up to, count me in. If there are injustices in our streets, if there are things that aren't right in our workplaces, if people are struggling with oppression or exclusion, if people are missing out on the opportunity to hear the good news about Jesus, then God, would you show us what to do and have the courage with the power of your spirit to do it. This is my prayer, like this term, that we embrace this and say, this is our job. This is what we're called to do. This is why we're here, not to get some ticket to heaven, but join with God right here, right now in seeing heaven break out on the earth, in us and through our lives. I can't put it a better way than this as I come to finish because I'm going to I'm preaching it and I hope we're kind of getting it. This is an Old Testament passage. This is God speaking in Amos 5. Here's a challenge. God says this. I hate and reject your feasts. I cannot stand your religious meetings. Take the noise of your songs away from me. I won't listen to the music of your harps, but let justice flow like a river and let goodness flow like a never ending stream. Let justice flow like a river and goodness flow like a never ending stream. Friends, if you're a follower of Jesus and you're watching this, let me tell you, these moments when we gather together to worship and and hear God's word, if those moments, moments like this don't inspire us to be people of justice and generosity, to good news people in the world today, righting the wrongs, joining in with what God is doing, renewing the whole of creation, seeing people restored into relationship with God, if we don't do that, It's of no value at all, God is saying. Mm -hmm. Don't just sing your little songs. Don't just go through the routines. Don't be a holy huddle. Because if we really touch the heart of God in worship, if we really touch the heart of God in prayer, if we really touch the heart of God when when we read the scripture, it will propel us into the world to be everyone everywhere, shining the light, being salt, adding the kingdom flavors of goodness and kindness and forgiveness and being people of influence, whatever the cost. It cost Stephen his life in Acts chapter six. It might not cost us that, but it will cost us something. Drawing people to Jesus in whom they will ultimately find their help, their hope, and their healing. Everyone, everywhere. Mm -hmm. We need to finish. I preach too long. But I, but I hope you've I hope you've heard me today. Mm. And and if you're listening to this and you are not a follower of Jesus, if if you've not yet said a big yes to Jesus, I want to invite you to do that. 
I know one of you know, simply being a Christian is someone who is basically saying three simple things. They're saying, sorry, God, I'm sorry that I tried to be the very leader of my own life, running my life myself and ignoring you, rejecting you. Secondly, we say, thank you, God, we thank you that you love us. And you came to the earth and you you died on the cross, rose again. You paid all the price of all of my failures and brokenness and you paid it on the cross so that I could be restored into relationship with God. And then thirdly, we're people who say, help. God, would you help me, fill me with your spirit to join in with what Jesus is doing in the world today, to, to be people who bring heaven to earth in all the places and spaces where I'm called to be. Mm. Uh, if, if you want to say yes or make that step today, I, I wanna encourage you to, to just do that, right? Even right where you are. and. And let us know. We would love to support you in that journey. And so if you've got a phone, grab your phone right now. And if you've got a phone, then literally if you text Zio and then your name, you can put anything else you want after that. But Zio and your name to 6777. Text Zio and then your name to 6777. Then we would love to follow up with you and help you on the greatest adventure of your life to discover what you were born to be and what you were born to do. You were born to be in the family of God and you were born to do the mission of God. Good news for you. Good news for the world. We are the scattered servants of Jesus. And so let me encourage you. Let's do this. Let's do this because then we will truly and ultimately find life.